0: This is the Motion Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information about Motion Church, you can always visit our website at motionchurch.com. If you would like to contribute to what God is doing here at Motion, you can do that at motionchurch.com forward slash give. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, what's up, Motion Church? good morning uh, so let me ask you a question before we get before we get too deep into this by a show of hands how many of you have not seen back to the future the first one. Yeah, it's not too bad we're not too bad off I was worried because when you let um, more what's the word seasoned people determine the themes of things you tend to alienate a certain crowd any bo- anyone born before you know or after the year 2000 sorry uh, so i'm so glad that most of you have seen back to the future we're not going to do a lot of references uh so you probably even if you haven't seen it you're not going to miss out on too much we're going to make all of this stuff make sense so we are officially turning 12 years old today as a church okay so for some of you if you didn't grow up in church or maybe you grew up in a different type of church. The idea of celebrating a birthday to a, as a church may be strange to you, maybe weird. Uh, but the way that we see it, this is the way that we view each passing year is a testament to the faithfulness of God, and we celebrate that. And we believe that every year that passes, like we just get to look back and see how God made a way and God provided, and look at where we've been and look at what we've done and looking forward to what it is that is to come. And so that's why we celebrate each and every year. And I listen, I know you guys are okay with celebrations because y'all celebrate and we're guilty now, we just had, we just had a six month, a half time yes. birthday party. Yes. It's not even a birthday party, it is a half a birthday party. So I, I know everybody's cool with birthday parties. I've always said all of my life, all of my life, I was like, we're not doing one year old birthday parties because the one year old ain't gonna remember that he had a birthday party. Now we just did a half a year birthday party. <laughs> The thing, let me help you out. If you're young, the things that you say that you will never do, boy, watch your mouth. It's gonna come back and it's gonna get you. So as it relates to this Back to the Future theme, I was kind of thinking about how how it applies to us and how we could kind of make this thing work uh, for our theme. And so the obvious application is what if we went back to September, it was September 25th, 2011, is when we officially launched as a church. And if we went back, if we had the privilege of of doing that, if, if time travel were a thing, some people think that it is. I think you're crazy, yeah. right? And if you're not, sh- just let me in on it. I want to know. I want to go back to the like 19 what 78, 1980 or so, and buy some Apple stock. That's yeah. what. That's all I want to do. Just one thing. Just one thing. And so, at any rate, if we could go back to September 25th, 2011, and and here's what I would hope that we could do. I would hope that we could go back and share some some wisdom, share some insight with a younger us, with a younger Motion Church, with a younger version of who we are today, so that we could then come back to the future and benefit from all of the wisdom that we learned long, long ago. Because, listen, I don't know how your brain works. For me, it takes some time. I'm what some people refer to as thick or dense. It's just not thick. Well, maybe that too, but, but just just it, sometimes it takes me longer to get things. And so if somebody would have told me some of this stuff 12 years ago, maybe by this point, I would have it figured out. And so that's what we're going to do today is we're going to go back and look at three things that I wish we could have told a younger Motion Church so that we could benefit from it today. We go to the, the past so that we can come back to the future and benefit from these statements. The first one is this. You almost got the mission right. You almost got the mission right. When we started Motion Church, so, so let me kind of run you through the process really quick of how you start a church. You start a, a church on paper, apparently, before you ever open the doors to an official church, like, and then it's, it's just kind of a weird concept, but you build it, you draw it out, you plan it out, you have all of these ideas, and you have to start, so this is what all of the experts tell you, right, and I'm, I'm becoming less and less uh, dependent and believing of experts as days go goes on, right, because you've got experts that have differing opinions, I'm like, well, how can experts have different opinions if you're the expert? By definition, the expert is supposed to be the one with the right opinion. And you've got, ex- okay, anyway. So all of the experts, when we started the church, were like, well, you need a mission. You need something, a statement that people can understand and they can get behind. And one that kind of has this visceral aspect to it. It's emotional. And it's something that people can, can easily identify you with. And, and I learned all of these things. Like it has to be portable if you want it to be memorable. I was like, well, that's, that's good. That's good. Right? And like all of these dumb things that you learn. And so we we concocted this phrase, this statement, the mission statement for Motion Church. And I spent, you guys don't understand, I spent so much time planning this stuff out. And, and specifically this mission statement and crafting it and like word structure and all of these things that are way out of my depth. And so we landed on our mission of Motion Church exists to lead people to live and move Oh, wait, let's do it again. We're going, to, we're going to do it together, if you can. Motion Church exists to lead people to live and move and have their being in Jesus Christ. And so I spent all this time and ultimately ended up just plagiarizing Acts 1728. I mean, that's, that's almost verbatim. I'm like, that sounds good. Let's just take that and do, do what they done did, right? And so, so I almost got the mission right, because here's, here's what we did. So we concocted the mission statement, and we plagiarized Acts 1728, and we made that, that, that our portable and memorable statement. And then I spent the first four weeks of, of Motion Church preaching through the mission statement and what it meant and how, how we as a church are going to operate, and I almost got it right. So the first week, we talked about what it meant to lead, right? So as a matter of fact, when you walk through the doors of the South Auditorium, it says lead, live, move, B. And so each week we did one of those kind of the pillars of the mission statement. We did the lead, we did the move, we did the live, we did the be. And you know what I forgot? I forgot about people. It's to lead people to live and move and have their being in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget that people are the mission. Sometimes I get so focused on the mission that I forget that people are the mission. And as I was kind of thinking about this idea, I, I failed to highlight in the beginning the most important word outside of Jesus. Obviously, don't don't do this like spiritual twisting things around. Right. Like, obviously, Jesus is the most important word in that statement. But but second to that is people. It doesn't matter if you lead, if you don't have people, you're not leading. If you don't have people, it doesn't matter if you're teaching people how to live, if there are not any people to teach how to live. Right. And so the idea was that maybe maybe we should have focused a little bit more on the people part of it. Sometimes churches, it's so hard, right? Because we've got all of these, these metrics and these things that we're held accountable to. And at the end of the day, it just comes back to people. I, I think about the life of Jesus and everything that Jesus did, like all of these incredible things that Jesus did, Jesus, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He preached these incredible sermons. He disrupted an entire religious system, turned the world upside down and he always did it with people. At at almost all times, there are a few exceptions where it talks about how Jesus went away by himself to get alone with God and to pray. But outside of that, Jesus was always with people, either with a small group of people or with a large crowd of people. Jesus understood that people are mission one of the the, one of the stories that that i love to hear and and kind of like it just helps you to understand this more fully like jesus heart for people there's a story where jesus kind of goes to this elevated place and he's looking down on the city of jerusalem and it says that he just begins to weep because of the condition of the people because he loved people so much and he cared so deeply about people the mission wasn't to do all of this disruptive religious stuff it wasn't to get attention it wasn't to preach great sermons jesus's mission was to help and rescue people. That is what he was about. And so as I think about what we've accomplished as a church, like we've done a lot of really cool stuff. We've done a lot of fun stuff. We've done a lot of creative stuff. We've done stuff that we said that we would never do, like baby dedications. I always said that we will never do baby dedications. And if somebody asked me, and I I was like, I was a young pastor, and when you're a young pastor, you just say yes to everything. And so I was like, yes. Oh my God, what did I just, what did I just say? We don't do baby dedications, just so you're clear, because let me, can I, can I cue you in on this real quick? So that's a modern thing where you bring your child to the church and you put them up in front of, listen, let's be honest. The whole premise of a baby dedication is just to show off how cute your baby is. A biblical baby dedication is you bring them to the temple and you leave them there till they're 18. I don't think you want to do a baby dedication. Go read it, look it up for yourself. And so, I said we would never do them, and we did them, because, but we're not doing them anymore. I will, I've gotten good. I'm good at the no, no, right? So we've done those. We've done weddings. We've had funerals. We've had babies being born. We've had like, just all of these great things. We've had baptisms. We've had a bunch of baptisms. We've had people getting saved and turning their life around. We've had people rededicate their life. We've had people re-rededicate their life. Because for some of us, it just takes a little longer to stick, right? We've done all of these great things, but it's all about people. None of that stuff exists without people. You don't get to baptize air. There's got to be a person that you dunk and you bring back to life, right? Bring back to new life. And so all of this stuff is awesome, but it is meaningless unless we understand that it's about people. And for some of you, this may seem so obvious, but for me, it's hard sometimes because like some of the other of you, people get on my nerves. <laughs> is there anybody that can be honest in church this morning? All right, half of y'all. The other half, y'all are just loving people. God bless you. I need some more of what you got. So, so what happens for me personally is I, I am a, I'm a, I love to see things accomplished. I love to see things get done. And, and I have a tendency to to use people to get things done. And I don't ever intend to use people to get things done, but I'm so concerned about getting the thing done that I forget about the people that it takes to get the thing done. And and one of the things that I'm learning is is I forget sometimes that the most important thing in the world isn't what we are doing, but what is being done inside of us. What we are doing is not nearly as important as what is being done inside of us. And so let's work 100%. Let's build, let's accomplish, let's do these great things But it's all about people if we did a better job of this years ago if i did a better job of this years ago imagine how much better we would be at it now right years and years and years of practice and and what happens it seems like we're just not doing very good at this at this particular thing like this whole people thing we're not tremendously successful at peopling in society, in fact, like you look at all of the numbers, all of the metrics, all of the studies, and all of the statistics, we are getting worse and worse at peopling. We're getting more and more isolated. We are feeling more and more alone. In fact, some of the, the studies say that we are more alone than we've ever been. And the unfortunate thing is, is we have more possibilities for connection than we ever have. And in spite of all of that, we're not doing a great, a great job in the peopling department. I was at a, a football game the other night and, and so my, my I forget, it. I don't even know how to like label my children anymore. Titus, my second oldest son, my second youngest son also, coincidentally, right? So he is a, um, he's a bottomless pit. No? Like, do y'all have any of those? So let me, let me just kind of run, run you through really quickly. So before we left for the game, he fixed an entire plate of pizza rolls. Uh, when we... We went to the game at, you know, the quarter into the game. Like, we've been there for all of 13 minutes, and, and he's ready for more food. So we're on our way to the concession stand. And then as soon as the game's over, he's like, where are we going for dinner? I'm like, bro, how do, you got any more room in there? Like, I don't understand. So at any rate, at any rate we're, we're walking to the concession stand. And, and so I'm, I'm, you come down the ramp from the bleachers, and there's people standing along the fence, and then there's also people in lawn chairs uh, on the track at this particular field. And so I walked by probably, I would guess between 20 and 30 people, and they're all in, coincidentally, like groups of three or four. People are grouped together, but as I walked by, every single one of these people, and, and I don't know if it was just coincidence or just like, what the heck is wrong with us? Every single one of them, even though they were in groups of people, this was their posture. Why did you even come to the game? Like, what are you even, I'm just, and, and maybe I just caught him at a bad moment. Like, I don't know, life, a life moment. And, and here we are. We're not great at this peopling thing. Like, let's, It's okay to put some of the stuff aside every once in a while and people. It's okay to make eye contact with people. It's okay to use your words and talk to people. You don't have to text them everything. It's okay to love It's what we're called to. It's what we're supposed to do. It's what Jesus did. And I hope that that's what we accomplish as a church. I wish somebody would have told me that then now, you know, so that so that now we could benefit from it. So the people that that are on on our devices, the people that we're connected to on our phones aren't the ones that need us. The ones that need us are the ones that are right in front of our faces. The ones that we need are the ones that are right in front of our faces. So the, the lesson that I wish I really would have learned then is that people are the mission. People are the mission. Hope that's helpful. Hope you, can, hope you can go back and benefit from 12 years of wisdom, right? Second point is this. Be a better follower than you are a leader. That seems so so nonsensical, right? Be, be a better follower than you are a leader. So again, kind of this idea is that, that, that we spend so much time and energy focusing on things that, that at the end of the day, they just don't matter. I wish somebody would have told me then, and, and not just, because you know what, this is, and, and I'm guilty of this, I know you probably are too, is that somebody will tell me something that I need to hear, but I don't want to hear it, so I don't really hear it. I, I wish somebody would have told me something that I needed to hear, like grabbed my shoulders, looked, at, like Tavian, my, my oldest son, like when you were talking to him when he was little, like you could put your hands on him, but you got to make sure those eyes, because he, he would look at you and he'd be like... I'm like, no, buddy, bring it in. Like, I want you to hear this. I want you to know this. I wish somebody would have told me to be more focused on being a better follower of Jesus than you are at being a better leader of others. I I wish I would have known that because all of the emphasis and all of the things that we're taught as as leaders in, in church and Christianity is, well, you gotta be a better leader. You gotta be a better leader. You have to lead people better. You have to know what that means. And we never really talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and, and we don't exert near the amount of energy and effort on that. I wish somebody would have told me to be a better Christian than you are a pastor. I wish, because I wish, we put so much emphasis on the title, right? We put so much emphasis on the position and, and what we fail to remember, and this kind of comes back to that same thing, like what's being done inside of you is way, way more important than what it is that you're doing who you are as a person is so much more significant than what you accomplish as a person. And so I wish I wish somebody would have told me that I've spent hours and hours of my life listening to books on audio. Some of y'all so some of y'all were like what? Like audio books. I do that too. I've read books. I've got I've got I'm proud of my library. I like I like actual physical copies of books. I don't like the the digital stuff because like, I don't know, I just like to hold it. I'm just maybe there's some sensory stuff going on there. Right. So I love to I love to read books. I've listened to so many. I've listened to so many podcasts. We've gone to conferences. Basically, I have tried to get all of the help I could possibly get on how to be a better leader. I've done everything that I could think to do, but I haven't put near that amount of energy and effort into being a better follower. I've put all of this energy into being a better leader, but I haven't put a terrific amount of energy into being a better follower. Y'all know that being a better follower of Jesus guarantees that you will be a better leader of others? Yeah. Being, being a better follower of Jesus, it ensures, it guarantees that you will be a better leader of other people. Once, And, and I've always understood this to mean, like, we don't even have a right to lead if we're willing to follow and so being a better follower of Jesus guarantees that you will be a better leader of others. But you know that being a better leader of others almost guarantees that you will not be a better follower of Jesus. When we put all of the emphasis on, on leading and, and ultimately what we do is we make it all about ourselves. And if, you're, if you have any kind of success in that, then what you do is you think that you're so smart that you don't need God to help you to lead people. I wish that we would have put more emphasis on following than we did on leading. This is where it gets heavy. Only one of those options really actually matters to God. You know that, that Jesus is not, the, the whole conversation in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus is kind of like, he's got these two groups of people, and he's like, uh, you guys didn't do what you were supposed to do. Depart from me. I never knew you, but you guys, you did what I asked you to do, so you can come and enter into my happiness, my joy. You can spend eternity with me. You know what, what that was ultimately based on? It was based on one of two things. Like, you're not invited in based on your ability to lead. You are invited, invited in based on your willingness to serve, your willingness to follow. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, it says this. His master replied, well done, good and faithful leader. No, that's not what it says, right? His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness and so on a personal level like for each and every one of us i think i think it would be helpful if we learned a long time ago and if we haven't learned it if we can't learn it we can't go back and learn it let's learn it now that being a better follower is the most important thing that you can do go, go lead i'm, I'm 100 for, i'm not against like great things right i'm not against going out and you be a boss and you be a hoss and you build things and you lead things and and you tear it up and you do all of this stuff But it has to take a back seat to our posture as followers of Jesus. That is the most important thing that we can do. Our ability to lead is is contingent on our willingness to follow. I wish somebody would have told me that 12 years ago. Not just, again, not just told me, but like locked eyes. Grab my face if you have to. And make sure that I understand that that's the case. So the first first thing that I wish we would have learned is that you almost got the mission right because people are the mission. The second thing is to be a better follower than you are a leader. And the last one is this. Better is better than bigger. Better is better than bigger. If you're from Texas, that probably offends you because we're taught, right? We're taught. It's almost ingrained at a very young age that things in Texas are bigger. And we assume that if it's in Texas, that it's better because it's bigger. We think that bigger is better, but better is better than bigger. Better is better than bigger. I've seen plenty of things that are big that ain't no good. I'm from Texas too, right? I, I got it. I've seen plenty of things. You call them monstrosities. It's an albatross. It's ridiculous, right? Plenty of things that are big that ain't no good. So the emphasis is better is better than bigger as it relates to the lesson that I would hope to share with a younger us. I would hope to make sure that we understand that a better church is better than a bigger church. That a better church is better than a bigger church. And, and you probably, you may not have to deal with this and you may not experience this, but let me kind of, I'm gonna let you in, right? I'm gonna let you understand some of the things that, that we have to struggle with. There is so much pressure on churches to be bigger. There is very little emphasis so often, at least externally, for churches to be better. I, met, I meet strangers all the time. Like, not, let me emphasize that. It's weird. Right? I interact with people that I do not know, or did not know previously, and then now I do know them, therefore they are not a stranger. Right? So I interact with people all the time. I talk to people all the time. And, and kind of through the course of conversation, which is funny because I'm not like, super uh, what extroverted, but you always end up meeting people and having conversations, right? And so I, was talk- I talk to people all the time, and it comes up in the course of conversation that, that I'm a pastor, and then almost without fail, without exception, the first question that people ask, they, they don't care where you're at, they don't care what denomination you are, they don't care what you do, they don't care about your people. The first question, with, without fail, almost every single time, the, best, the question that people ask is, how big is your church? Yeah. How many people go to your church, right? It's always about this emphasis on the size of your church. And, and I, my response, what I want to start saying is, who cares? Who, who cares? Here's a better question. How many people's lives are better because your church exists? Isn't that a better question to ask? And so we've got all of this pressure to put an emphasis on metrics and numbers and things that we can measure, for the first few years, because of that, like, we started again in 2011, probably, I don't know, three, four, five, six years, like, I struggled with the idea of when it is that we become a real church. Like, when, when do we become a real church? Like, what number of people do we have to have before we're, we're seen as a real church? And, and probably a lot of that is my fault because I compared myself to other people. I compared us as a church to other people. But, but the truth is this. Here's, here's the truth. Again, better is better than bigger. The truth is that we became a real church the second that two or three of us got together and invited God to the party. Jesus said that where two or three of you gather together in my name, that I am with you there in that moment. And so better is better than bigger. And, and it just doesn't get any better than asking Jesus to be part of what it is that we're doing. Do you know that better is better than bigger in your life, too? That's kind of hard to say when you you say it multiple times. Better is better than bigger in, in your life, too. In my life, too. In our personal lives, better is better than bigger. Did you know that better at love is better than a bigger bank account? I'm going to say it one more time, right? Let me, let me back up before I get ostracized. Let me, I'm, we need to start handing out tomatoes when y'all come in. That way, if I say something dumb, y'all can throw them, but I will throw back. Just... Better at love is better than a bigger bank account. Which of those two do we emphasize in our society? Which of those two do we put all of the focus and effort and energy on? Which metrics do we have to measure? When's the last time that you asked yourself the question, am I getting better at loving people? And and my guess is that probably three or four or five or six times this week, you looked at your bank account to see where it was at. Better is better. Better. Than bigger. Better at love is better than a bigger bank account. Better at forgiving is better than a bigger house. Better at kindness is better than a bigger following. Better is better than bigger. I heard a story one time from one of my leadership books that I read because I'm so focused on being a leader and not on being a follower, right? So, So I heard a story one time from one of my leadership books about Truett Cathy. How many of you know who Truett Cathy is? How many of you are Chick fil A? weirdos and fanatics and you love chicken. How many of you are going to be honest and say Chick-fil-A is overrated? Amen. My kind of church. Uh, I know that's, that is sinful. Apparently you're not allowed to criticize Chick-fil-A in any way because that's God's chicken. Um, But I disagree. Like I think God's all about portions and their portions are too small. Just my opinion. Like my understanding is that when we get to heaven, there is a, a marriage feast, a marriage supper of the lamb, and I just don't think that God's gonna skimp on the chicken, okay? So the story goes, Truett Cathy, incredible leader, incredible leader. And guys, you know, just very visionary and kind of in what it is that he built, what he, what it is that he accomplished. I don't like the food. I respect the heck out of their organization, right? Uh, so, so they're in this board meeting, and they've got all of these executives and, and all of these, you know, high-profile, high, high position people. And they're going around the room, and they're having these conversations about how they can get – bigger. They want to grow. They want this company to go to the next level. So all of these guys are sharing their ideas. And of course, as you know, when you get in a room like that, like there isn't a shortage of ego, right? And so all of these egos are telling why their idea is better than this dude's idea and my, your idea is dumb. And I don't know where, I got an MBA from Harvard. You probably went to Kilgore College, okay? And so... It goes on and on. I went to Kilgore. That's a joke, right? There's nothing wrong with Kilgore. I call it the Harvard of the South, okay? Stop laughing at these bad jokes because it can, it can get carried away. And so they're just going back and forth. And again, my understanding is that Truett Cathy was an incredibly calm and gentle man, and I think he had just had enough. And so it says that he firmly slapped the conference table, and everybody's like, oh, God. <laughs> like what, what have we done, right? Chief, mess, chief, chief is upset. And so he says, once he got everybody's attention, he says, stop worrying so much about how to get bigger. Focus instead on getting better and our customers will ensure that we get bigger. And man, as I think about that statement for our life, I, I think that there's a lot that we can learn from that. There's a lot, if, if we focused on getting better Instead of getting bigger, for one, a lot of us would not be as as anxious and frustrated and discontented as we are because we're always in pursuit of more. How about we learn to be content with what we have and where we're at? How about instead of focusing on what we don't have, we focus on what we do have and making the most of what it is that we've got? Let's focus on on being better than being bigger. I think this is where we discover meaning and purpose when we're focused on depth rather than width. When we're worried about going deep with where we're with where we're at and who we're with, let, let's focus on that. Let's worry about getting better and not worry so much about getting bigger. This is what leads, in my opinion, to a life worth living. Like that the pursuit of more, let me let me just help you out because. You've experienced this to some degree. I'm sure I've experienced this to some degree. The, the pursuit of more is about as, as endless of a cycle of rat race and, and just kind of this, this constant spinning of the wheels as you will ever experience in your life. And you know this because what happens is when you got the more that you thought that you needed to make you feel a certain type of way, you realize that 30 seconds later it's not enough and then you just need more and you need more and you're never satisfied and you're never content and you just constantly feel this disturbment, this, this, I don't even know if that's a word, disturbment, my English, my grammar people, I got the, hit. yeah, all right. Listen, even when I'm trying to make up words, I get it right, that's good. So just this, this, this tension in your soul where you know that it's not enough, and then, then you start to internalize it like you'll never be enough because what you've done is not enough, and it is a cycle that, that you don't want to have going on in your life. But you know what's better than that? Better. Better is better than bigger, and it just doesn't get any better than living a life with Jesus. It just doesn't get any better than living a life of following him. The the leading stuff will come. The, 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 The accomplishing stuff will come. But our first and foremost position has to be as a follower of Jesus. You are God and I am not. You are in control. I am not in control. I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. I will say what you want me to say. You are God. And I am just here to honor you, to follow you, to live this life that you have inv- you've invited me into. And, and here's the cool thing about that is like, we think that in, in giving up control that we lose control. The reality is when we give up control, we actually find life. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, that I have come to give you life and it's not just this this life as we understand kind of the mundane portions or aspects of life but it is a life that is fulfilling it is a life of abundance it is a life of peace and happiness that god is inviting us into not that we don't have trials not that we don't have struggles but it is a real life that jesus is inviting us into and that just sounds better so this is what we're here to do as a church as motion church is to lead people lead people to that right this life in Jesus. That's what we've done for the last 12 years, and that is what we will continue to do in the years to come. Amen. This morning, I want to do one thing before we dismiss to the party. If if you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you're here and you haven't made that decision to follow him, to follow him, to not make this life all about you and, and what you can get out of it, I want to pray that, that you will do that this morning. I want to pray that you will give your heart to to Jesus, that you will ask him to be the Lord of your life, that you will ask him to lead you where he wants you to go and to become the person that he wants you to become. So if, if everybody would just close your eyes and bow your heads, I want to pray for us as a church. Jesus, we're so thankful that, that you're a God who is with us, that you came to the earth to demonstrate to us what love looks like. God, you showed us in the way that you interacted and the way that you cared about people, the way that you cared about us. God, it says in Romans chapter five that you demonstrated your love to us by dying on the cross for our sins. While we were still sinners, while we were still distant from you, separated from you, that you loved us enough to bridge that gap. If there's anyone here today that has not made that decision and you want to. Like like most of us at some point in our life, you've probably tried it your way. You've probably tried all of the different things that you're told to try and focused on all of the things that, that you were told all of your life that mattered. And I suspect you figured out that that's not true. If you're here today and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, that he would be the leader and you would be the follower. Would you just slip up your hand and we'll pray for you that God will help you to do just that. That's awesome. Amen. Jesus, we pray for every single person in this room that is committing this day to follow you God, that you will help them to do just that. God, that you will give them courage to face anything that comes their way. That you will give them a belief in you that you are good and that no matter what happens in their life, that you are in control. And that they would submit their lives to you so that your purposes and will can be accomplished in them. Thank you so much for this day of new beginnings. God, thank you for what you've done in this church for the last 12 years. God, we are are in awe. We're so thankful. We could not have gotten to this point without you. We love you so much. And it's in Jesus' incredible name we pray. And everybody say, amen.